Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. It didn't take long for our first off-season episode as the Rebs have made a couple of pretty significant trades, made a contract extension, uh, and have drawn their Champions League opponent for this upcoming season. And we're here to talk about all of it. I am Greg Johnstone. Joining me today is Chris Lucas. Chris, how are you? You know, doing not too bad. We've just had some some winter weather up here in Maine and uh, trying to get through all of that and try to look ahead to, to brighter days, maybe some CCL time coming up soon. Uh, looking forward to that and seeing what other roster moves might be coming along. Uh, looking forward to talking about it and getting uh, the first off-season show uh, underway. Yeah, don't don't worry, Chris. You only have about five more months of winter uh, now that you've relocated to Maine. So um, It's a good thing I like winter. So, <laughs> Also joining me today, a Revolution Recap debut, Tanner Rebello of the Trifecta Network. Joining us today, Tanner, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to get started and talk about the revolution. And, uh, you know, this is I'm very excited to have you on. This is like the, we've had you on our list for a long time, as I guess. So uh, we're really excited to work you in uh, here in the offseason. Let's get started. Uh, the biggest news so far, the Sebastian Legette trade. Uh, the revolution made a trade with the L.A. Galaxy receiving Legette. Uh, they've traded $500,000 worth of allocation money which has been broken down over two years, 300000 in 2022, 200000 in 2023. There's also an additional 800000 uh, uh, in, in allocation money that is incentive-based over the next two years. So they've traded $500,000 worth of allocation money up to, or, or potentially up to $1.3 million in allocation money. Uh, a very MLS move, uh, a very, very complicated move that... Uh, it's very confusing and tough to grade, but we're going to try to do it here. Tanner, what do you think of this move? What's your reaction to the move? Um, and how do you think Legette will fit in New England? I think right off the bat, if you look at this move and you look at the previous offseason's failures, you know, Bruce Arena really brought in talent that didn't end up panning out and it's really unproven MLS talent. So you bring in Legette. This is a player he knew for the Galaxy. He knew with the national team. And Legette has a track record in Major League Soccer of being a very good player. Um, he hasn't really lived up to his potential in recent years with the Galaxy, but that's mostly in how they deployed him. Uh, I think Bruce knows his strengths, and I think with the Revolution, his role is going to be more simplified in the attacking midfield with Carlos Hill, and I think it was a very smart move by Bruce Arena. This is a proven talent, and when you're in a win-now mode with this team, you have to get that, and it's going to cost you money, and that's that's what they ended up doing. It was smart. Chris, uh, what are your thoughts on this move so far? Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of going to echo a, a bit of what Tanner's saying. It's it's a smart move. Uh, Sebastian Legette is obviously a Bruce Arena guy. Bruce Arena, uh, when he was with the Galaxy, uh, acquired the rights to Sebastian Legette from the Revolution for $50,000 in GAM, TAM, some sort of XAM. Uh, and it, it worked out pretty well for him there. You know, that got him... I think where was he coming from the the West Ham Academy or something at the time? It brought him into MLS and in it's really interesting how it kind of comes full circle now. Bruce Arena's back out with New England, of course, and kind of does a reverse reverse trade uh, with all with all the game. the The price I'm, I'm kind of happy with with the money that the Revs are going to be paying for it. Uh, as far as the player himself, I mean. I've been a very big proponent of Sebastian Legette's as far as U.S. men's national team. Uh, I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to him with with the club. I understand that he's been dealing with some some rough patches. I know his stats don't necessarily jump off the page. As a huge playmaker, that maybe justifies that sort of money. But when you look at him, at least when he plays for for the U.S. and and I know we mentioned before that maybe L.A. Galaxy didn't really. It played to, to his styles, the the way that the, the coaching staff was operating out there. But the way that he's been performing with the U.S. men's national team, uh, the potential is there. The fact that he's a, a consistent, um, a very consistent player, which is something that the Reds need, because Tanner, you alluded to the poor signings that, that Bruce brought in this past offseason. And maybe bringing in someone that you can rely on, that you can trust. 
a bit more than some unknowns like like Captoom or Mafla. Uh, I, I like the idea of just bringing in someone that you know and someone that you're, you're confident in, someone that you can trust. Uh, I love this move, um, and it's just another stepping stone towards getting to MLS Cup. Now, one thing that I do want to talk about here before I kind of give my thoughts, but neither of you feel this was an overpay because some people are pointing out he also comes with a pretty heavy salary. Reportedly, he has two years left on his contract, so that's the 2022 and 2023 season, and his salary last year was 923750 So he's easily the fourth highest paid player on the Revolution. Uh, he's going to take up some gam. He's, he's going to take up a little bit of that budget charge. Does that concern either of you? It sounds like both of you kind of feel like you have to go out, you have to get this established player to put into your system. Um, any concerns about the salary? I'll start with you, Chris. Uh, not really, no. I mean, it, the the Revs are paying over a million dollars, I think, combined for, for Captoom and for Mafla, and you're not getting anything out of that. Give me Sebastian Legette for under that. And, I mean, I think the Revs need to address the salaries of those two players in specific that I just mentioned because they're not producing to that sort of level. But uh, Sebastian Legette's a player that you know is going to come in and impact the team. I, I mean, unless he has an unworldly like drop-off that nobody sees coming, then yeah, that is, it's a bad contract. But you can't predict that something like that's going to happen. I, I would never foresee a, a drop like that happening. Um, I don't know. Tanner, do you have anything different to say to that? I think... If you look at this move in a nutshell, what they paid for Legette, it's mostly incentive-based. And if he hits those incentives, you're going to be fine spending that other additional $800,000 in GIM. I think from a wage perspective, yes, he's a hit. He's going to be expensive. And if he performs how he did with the Galaxy the last couple seasons, I think Revolution fans will be disappointed. But I think if you look back to what he did on the Bruce Arena, his first year in the Arena, he scored seven goals. 2016, he had eight assists. Um, so he performed very well underneath Bruce Arena with the Galaxy. And then at the national team level uh, this year, he has had, had some success. Um, so I don't think you have to be too concerned about it um, because you need a proven player and you're going to pay money for that. Um, but I do agree. His salary, based on what his performance with the Galaxy was, was higher than it should have been. But I think under Bruce Arena, it makes sense to make that move um, and get better performance out of him. Were, I, I was kind of expecting a little bit less in allocation money, although as you, you brought up a very good point, Tanner, that this is all incentive-based, or most of it is incentive-based. So if this doesn't work out, in theory, uh, the revolution aren't going to be giving up. Although it should be noted, we don't know what the incentives are. I think we'd have different reactions if it was games played. You know, if Legette plays 20 games played, they get all the, the incentive money. We'd feel different if it was, if the Revs win MLS Cup. Uh, they they have to pay all the incentive money. I, I think we don't know the details, so we're kind of speculating that, um, you know, it's performance-based metrics and whatnot. But with that aside, assuming that's correct, which I, I assume it is, um, I, I was a little surprised to see up to $1.3 million in allocation money because of the salary. I, I really – you look at his production from last year and, you know, it, it seems like a lot for a $923,000 player. But I think, as, as you both have said, this is a known commodity to Bruce Arena. And I also think he's very versatile. I think he can play on the right wing. He can play in the center. Uh, and when you have Carlos Hill who kind of roams around, this seems like the type of player that uh, can create with Carlos Hill and kind of supplement Carlos Hill and really kind of add another attacking presence in that midfield um, which you need to replace Tejan Buchanan. So um, I was a little surprised at the number. I don't necessarily want to call it an overpay, uh, but I, I think putting this in an incentive-based deal and also spreading it out over two years uh, was was very wise because it's one thing to pay $1.3 in allocation money. It's another thing to pay $1.3 million in allocation money over two years. That That's certainly a much more cap-friendly type of deal. Yeah, and I think uh, the other piece with Sebastian Legette that that everyone is kind of looking at is specifically coming from one of the press conferences where uh, 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 Sebastian basically said that he was given the keys to to play Cam by Bruce. I, I'm not sure exactly what the quote was. I don't have it in front of me, but that definitely had some people concerned, and I know I I, I am con kind of concerned from that comment as well. What does that necessarily mean for the formation? What does that mean for how he's going to fit? Uh, is 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 Sebastian Legette not necessarily going to be replacing Tejan so much? Maybe is he is it an upgrade over Tommy Mack? Is that what we're looking at with this? 
I'm not really sure. Tommy Mack, of course, didn't really play a, like a cam position, uh, but he kind of floated in there. And maybe maybe that's something that we're looking at. That's that's right now the biggest concern for me about this. I think the the way the contract is structured, the way that the transfer is structured, especially over the two years, it's all it's all good good money, smart money, uh, good decisions. It's stuff that you expect from Bruce Arena. But how does Sebastian Legette fit on this Revolution team? We did get a question here from Apollo. He asks, what are the expectations for Sebastian? Um, this is a bit of a tough question for me because it's hard to quantify because we don't know his role. Um, he didn't score a ton of goals last season. I can pull up his numbers. I do know he scored 23 goals and 158 appearances for the LA Galaxy. I don't remember how many exactly he has last season. But, uh, Chris, I'll let you take the first bite of this apple. What are your expectations for Sebastian in year one with the Revolution? I think it's really hard to try to put some expectations on 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 what what we could see from year one. Again, I, I think it goes back to where is he going to be playing. So if he's playing more attacking midfield role, uh, uh, dueling alongside Tejan, uh, not Tejan, uh, a Carles Heel, and they bring in a replacement for Tejan Buchanan with a more attacking minded uh, piece, I would like to see. You know, I like that seven goal number that he did uh, in LA with Bruce. I think that would be good. I'd like to see him get some more assists than that too. Um, uh, you know, maybe maybe something like a seven-seven type performance I think is good. But then you're looking at the money that that you're paying. Maybe you expect a little bit more than that. So I think on the low side, I think that's a, that's the expectation. It's probably seven goals, seven assists, uh, somewhere in that range. For for the record, uh, before we kick it over to Tanner, I'll give you his stat lines over the past couple of years. And we're just looking at goals and assists. We can kind of go further. But uh, three goals, five assists last year. In about 1,800 minutes, he had six goals and four assists in 2020. In 1,700 minutes, he had three goals, six assists in 2,300 minutes in 2019. Uh, and then three and two in, in about uh, 1,900 minutes. So we, we might be getting expectations of like four goals, six assists. Should be noted his past success uh, over the last four years, 92%, 84%, 91%, 88%. Uh, those are elite numbers right there. So it's not all about goals and assists. But uh, Tanner, do you have any expectations for Sebastian Legette in the first year? Yeah, and I think you kind of hit it on the head there, right, with those uh, percentages, because you're going to look at goals, you're going to look at assists, but I think what he's going to be able to do in the midfield is really add an attacking quality that they lacked. Uh, I mean, if you looked at Sean Buchanan, he's sort of on that outside, on the wing, one-on-one, um, -on -one, but uh, Sebastian Legette's a better passer of the ball, and I think he's really going to uh, give benefit not only to Carlos Hill, but I think Gustavo Bo and Adam Buchs will have an additional elite service into the box uh, from Lejep. So that's what I would expect him to really thrive in in that attacking midfield role. Not so much on the goal number, but really on the assists. I would like to see him get the double-digit assists, um, really taking the pressure off of Carlos Hill and letting him be a little bit more freer. Very good points. Um, we do have one more trade to talk about. Sadly, we say goodbye to Teal Bunbury. Uh, this was actually the first trade the Revolution made in the offseason. It was done in the half-day window, which was, I believe, last Sunday, uh, last Sunday morning. Uh, Teal Bunbury traded to Nashville for $75,000 worth of allocation money, up to an additional $75,000 in incentives, so potentially $150,000 in uh, GAM. Uh, but... At worst, it's seventy-five thousand. Um, Tanner, I'll go to you first. What are your reactions to this trade? I think it was the revolution clearing cap space. It freed up approximately four hundred thousand dollars in cap space for twenty twenty-two, so allowed them to be flexible at bringing in Legit, um, who's going to have that higher wage bill. So I think first and foremost, it was that, and they also wanted to get it done before the expansion draft, when they'd have to potentially uh, protect Teal Bunbury. Uh, that's a good point. Teal Bunbury at $375,000 last year. You can kind of expect there to be maybe potentially a little bit of a raise. Actually, did he have a raise in 2021? Give me one second. Yeah, he had a raise in 2021, it looks like. He went from 237 to 375 So he, he probably was going to be in that th high threes to low fours for next season. That's a, a pretty decent chunk. And as we talked about, Legette and the salary cap uh, hit he took, um, Teal Bunbury is essentially half of that. Uh, so clearing Bunbury off the books uh, was was a very very wise move there. Although I, I uh, Tanner, it is interesting to note. I expected that to be an expansion draft move, so they didn't have to use the Bunbury Bunbury for the slot. But uh, did we ever figure out if they used all twelve slots? I think you emailed the team. Did you ever get a response on that? No, they did not give a response. But uh, based on the current mapping, they didn't use twelve. Um, 
the only player that I potentially thought could have been the 12th was Henry Kessler, but he's still in the generation Adidas status. So I think they only used 12. Um, but no one would confirm it to me, and I don't know why. <laughs> in, the most, in the most MLS of moves, uh, the Revs, the expansion draft happened. The Revs didn't lose anyone. Um, I, I don't think anyone really was at risk of being lost. Maybe Some people thought maybe Emma Boateng uh, could be lost, which I, I think maybe in a scenario where maybe a team needs a winger, they do a sign-and-trade type of move, but Boateng didn't even have 400 minutes last year. So I, I, don't, I don't know if he really was ever a primary candidate to be selected, but... Um, yeah, it, it, based on the math, the Revs only predicted 11 players, uh, which is interesting. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Uh, it, it was a little confusing. It had some people wondering if there was an additional signing. Um, it had people wondering if the legit trade um, was official, but the Galaxy didn't have to protect anyone because they lost someone in the expansion draft last year. So that's a whole other story we can get into to, to why they only protected 11. But um, I had the same reaction that moving Bunbury might be a expansion draft play, uh, but they didn't need that slot anyway, it seems like. So kind of kind of funny how it all ends up in, in hindsight. Um, but yes, I agree with everything you said there. I, I think this is a bit of a salary dump type of move for the reasons I just mentioned. Um, it sucks to see Teal Bunbury leave after eight years in a salary dump. Uh, but ultimately... If you look at kind of his numbers last year and the role he had last year, he was kind of a backup striker. Um, he didn't seem very effective at times, uh, and, and you know, he's on the wrong side of 30. I think his time in New England had just kind of come to an end, so um, it, it kind of sucks to see Teal leave in this way. Certainly a great teammate, certainly had the respect of a lot of people in that locker room, uh, but I, I think this is the best for both parties here, where Teal Bunby can kind of go to Nashville in a system he probably fits a little bit more, uh, whereas I think the Revolution needed someone a little younger, a little quicker, um, and, and Teal Bunbury's role just kind of got reduced over time. Uh, Chris, anything you want to add on the Teal Bunbury trade? No, I mean, you guys covered it all. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to miss seeing Teal play for the Revs. Uh, hopefully he does well down in Nashville, but not too well, you know. Actually, they're in West Conference now, so I don't care. I hope, hope he does great. Hope he tears totally. it up. That's right. <laughs> Something tells me the Western Conference is going to drop their, uh, you know, 13-win uh, narrative. They're going to they're gonna find out really quickly that when Nashville <laughs> is in your conference, you don't uh, win as many games. You certainly have a lot more draws, so. Yeah. Uh, Teal Bunbury, as of right now, uh, Teal Bunbury is all over the Revolution uh, history book. He's fourth in team history in goals with 45, seventh in games played with 231, fourth in shots and shots on goal with 378 and 147 respectively, and he is tied for third in game-winning goals with 16. And to be honest with you, I kind of thought uh, it was a lot more than 16 because he certainly had a lot of clutch moments over the years. So very significant player in Revolution history. Um, we can have the debate over whether or not he's a club legend another day. I'm sure Brad Feldman will yell at me if I say he isn't, uh, but uh, certainly a very, very impactful player over the last 10 years. Uh, and before we get to the other news of the week, I wanted to take a minute and talk to you about our sponsor, Glosso Kits. Glosso Kits' mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have a variety of U.S. men's national team as well as Revolution merch, including some items with the crayon flag. The Revs aren't selling crayon flag merch anymore, and some people think the crayon flag is dead. But Glosso Kits doesn't. So if you want to keep the spirit of the crayon flag alive, go check out Galasso Kits right now where you can buy some crayon flag items, including a 2000 red Revolution windbreaker in new condition in all its MLS 1.0 glory. And if you're not sure what you want, you can check out their mystery kit packages where you can enter your size and what style of jersey you like and Galasso will surprise you with the kit of your dreams. So go check out GalassoKits.com for their full selection and make sure you check them out at Galasso Kits on Twitter and... Check out Galasso Kits on Instagram for updates on their new inventory every single week. And when you find something you like, use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% off your order. That is promo code REVSRECAP at GalassoKits.com for 15% off your order. Links and code are in the show notes. Hey, Chris, you know who should check out Galasso Kits if they really want to wear a United States men's national team kit? Oh, who's that? Dewan Jones. Oh, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. And you know what? He signed an extension this week, Chris. I heard about this, yeah. Labeled as a three-year extension, although reportedly he was under contract through 2022 with a 2023 team option. That was by SBI earlier in the summer. Uh, he has signed a contract through 2024 with a team option through 2025. So really, this might be a two-year extension. Uh, might be just kind of a issue of wording. But um, Chris, what are your thoughts on this Dewan Jones contract extension? I love it. Lock him up, you know? Uh, it's It reminds me a bit of... Uh... The Matt Turner extension that we saw, I uh, was at about a year ago at this point now. 
the fact that Matt Turner's route emerging as a goalkeeper, as as a potential best American goalkeeper, uh, if you want to have that argument, I 100% support it. And, uh, you know, Revolution went out and locked him down. Dewan Jones has really come out of his shell and, and shown that he could be uh, top of the top when it comes to left backs, possibly within MLS. In my opinion, he was the, the best 11 left back. Of course, I predicted... Well, actually, my prediction was Brandon By being the best right back. And either way, MLS doesn't award fullback positions in their best 11 team, which still drives me insane. Uh, Dewan Jones, in my opinion, is the best 11 left back in MLS. You have to pay him, uh, reward him for the work he's done, and definitely lock him down, get those years uh, in front of him, because I don't think that he's going to stay in MLS for a whole lot longer. Tanner, what are your thoughts on uh, Dewan Jones? And just... I should have added this too. Uh, he's locked through his uh, age 27 season, which is 2024. He turns 27 uh, in June, 2024. Uh, and they have a team option for his age 28 season really too. So th- they're locking up really prime years of Dewan Jones career. Um, Tanner, anything to add on the Dewan Jones contract extension? I think it's a well-deserved pay bump for Dewan. He was one of the best left backs in MLS this past season. Uh, and I think if you look at sort of the ethos of Bruce Rudin and how he approaches uh, his roster building, he rewards players that perform well for him. And if you looked at Matt Turner, you look at Gustavo Bo, you look at Brandon By, Dewan Jones, Carlos Hill, these players are not only getting extensions, but they're getting significant pay bumps. And this is really a, a good trend in the right direction for the revolution, especially when you talk about players around the league and they're looking at the revolution and saying they're not only taking care of their players, but, you know, they're they're winning, right? So um, I think the it's a great sign for the refs uh, in terms of Dewan Jones. Like he really is one of the best left backs in MLS, uh, one of the best attacking backs in MLS uh, for left backs. Um, so I think it's really well deserved for him. And I'm excited to see what he does going forward. Uh, Cause you know, he's only 24 years old still. I, I love the way that you spun it to say how it, it's such a reflection to other, you know, prospective players that might want to come to new England to see how Bruce and the club itself treats the players. So it, it is a really good sign on that point, too. So I, I love that that take. And uh, uh, Tanner, I'm going to kind of quote some stats. You tweeted out about Dwan Jones when the contract extension was announced. He was third in MLS on shots on target percentage, uh, third in MLS in block shots, um, as in blocks. He blocked the shot, not his shots were blocked. Defensive block shots. Uh, 10th in touches, which I don't think is any surprising. It actually probably feels like he should be higher than that. And he was also 10th in progressive carries. Uh, And, you know, for a team that really struggled to find a left back and seems to bring in a new left back at a pretty high salary year after year between the Mafles and Bootners and Somis and Edgar Castillo and yada, yada, yada. um, You know, Dewan Jones has really kind of found his niche at left back. And, you know, this is a guy that was a right winger attacking player in college. Uh, and he's really kind of grown and really fit that mold of a left back. And, um, you know, I, I, I do think he deserves some national team consideration. Fifth in MLS Defender of the Year. That's that's very impressive for uh, a, an attacking left back uh, who's in his fourth year of the league. Uh, and Tanner, I also think this is Dewan Jones' second extension in the Bruce Arena era, if I remember correctly. Um, I might be wrong about that. Yes, he did. Yep, in 2019, they signed him to an initial extension. Yep. So, um, and and he was previously on a $95,000 salary slash about $100,000 compensation. Uh, so he's great value uh, with the revolution. And if he has more than one year left on team control, um, I'm, I'm sure he is getting a pretty decent pay bump, similar to the Matt Turner extensions. So uh, I, I think this is great news. Uh, I think this increases the odds that Dewan Jones stays in New England long term. Uh, and, and even if he does get European interest, I think just adding on years of team control really increases the potential of you getting a much bigger fee for Dewan Jones as opposed to him potentially leaving uh, as a free transfer. So A plus, uh, a plus extension here for me. Um, I got no issues with this. I'm very excited to see Dewan Jones. I'm very excited to have a left back uh, that we can trust uh, for years to come. It's, it's a good feeling to have. Trust. It seems to be the recurring theme for the revolution this, uh, this offseason so far. Hey, it is it is kind of nice to sign good players and lock them down long term. It's it's something we're not really used to doing, but um, it's something Bruce does, and, and I really really appreciate it. So, uh, Champions League draw, guys. Uh, we had the Champions League draw earlier this week. The Revolution got I I'll say lucky. I'm gonna say that they, this is really a best case scenario for the first round round of sixteen draw, and they got Cavalli AS from Haiti. It's Cavalli. Cavalli. 
I said it correct in the pre-show. My bad. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to be confused with Cavalry, which I think is a Canadian team, which I watched highlights of before realizing my mistake. First leg is going to be away to be determined. Uh, the, the location to be determined, I believe, uh, in the Champions League, the team from Haiti played in the Dominican Republic due to um, capacity requirements. And also there is a little bit of civil unrest issues right now. Uh, leg two will be in Foxborough in late February. Uh, this is a pretty solid draw for the Revolution. No Haitian team has made it past the round of 16 in this competition. Uh, last year, the Haitian team lost uh, 8 to nothing to a Mexican team who I am forgetting. But uh, obviously, this is a great best case scenario for the Revolution. And then a potential second round matchup uh, is between the Weimar of Pumas and Deportivo Saprissa from Costa Rica. First question here, we got a question here from Not Blue, Not Green. It's Teal, a very, very loyal listener who probably needs to update his Twitter name. Uh, His question is, how hard are we going to try to win the Champions League? Will this be like the Open Cup where you use a B squad until it gets close? Uh, And will they use the games versus Haiti as preseason? Uh, Tanner, why don't you you take uh, those questions however you want? I I think you really have to look at what team you actually have available to you. you know, in terms of health and fitness and all of that, and who can go the full 90, but also juggling that, yeah, you have to be in Portland on February 26th. So I think it's really too early to tell. We'll just be guessing at this point to see who's going to be in the roster and who's going to be in the squad or not. Um, but I think you have to approach them as must-win scenarios because this team's all about lifting hardware, right? So you have to look at this, and you can't say, okay, we're playing Cavalli from Haiti. It's No, this is a must-win game no matter who the opponent is. Um, and I think that's the way the revolution will approach it is, they want to win this first leg, and then they're going to want to win the second leg, and they're going to want to advance into this uh, the quarterfinals because this is a team that wants to win and not just win regular season games, right? And I think this is a really good test for them potentially ahead of MLS Cup in 2022, right? Getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but this is that one-off chance that they need to win games like this, right? Do, do you think uh, – I agree with everything you said there. Do you think Bruce will see it the same way, or do you think he kind of sees this as the potential to ease players in, maybe give Carlos Hill maybe 45 minutes, maybe maybe give limit them as similar similarly to how they've previously approached the preseason? I think it's going to depend on what their preseason schedule is and how far in terms of fitness they're able to get Carlos Hill up to, or even Sebastian Lejet or you know Gustavo Boza question mark as well. And what's even the availability of like a Matt Turner or any of these other players that are playing the World Cup qualifiers in the January window, um, which this will be after that. But in terms of getting them into camp and getting them back into your system. So I I think you could see a rotation for sure, um, especially in those two games. But I think ultimately you're going to want to go with a solid roster, at least in the Gillette game. And that's an environment you can control. Very good point, too, about the international windows. The Revs now have Turner. Uh, Kessler made an appearance last night with the United States men's national team. Legette has been making appearances with the United States team. So it's very possible that not only is their camp a little bit earlier, but they might be missing some key pieces uh, in camp due to the international window. Uh, Chris, what's your reaction to the draw, uh, and how do you think they're going to approach these games with Haiti? You know, I, I think you said it right when you said it's probably the best-case scenario to to draw Cavalli. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We all remember Joe Public. Uh, and if you don't, uh, you don't need to look it up. It's fine. Just ignore ignore history for a little bit. But don't get ahead of the opponent, right? Uh, I don't want... I saw a couple of highlights of Cavalli, right? I didn't watch Cavalry. I watched Cavalli highlights. Um, and I, I just saw really... I don't want to say sloppy play, but it, it was definitely scrappy play. And I did see a couple of goals scored uh, from well outside the box, and they were good shots. So if you give the players some space, they can score. They can take turn uh, turn take nothing and turn it into something. And and it's going to be moments like that that you're going to really need to be careful for against a team like Cavalli, who's you know assuming they're going to be under pressure most of the match pretty much dominating by uh, the revolution if that's not the case and i think that's a big issue with the revolution but they're going to be looking to take those those chances whenever they can get them um so i I don't want to get ahead of cavalli but i like the draw i think that's a good good way to to welcome the revs into the champions league to get them back into that type of football Uh, i hope that they go in uh trying to win every single match that they can Uh, they they are paying you know tanner said this team wants to win now. They want to lift hardware. And I think they're 
they're showing that with when you look at the money that they're spending, bringing in Sebastian Legette, they have but what I would say is the best uh, DP trio in MLS. And then you're adding uh, a extremely high, I'm assuming you'd call him a TAM player. I don't know what the TAM rules are because uh, I don't pay attention enough. But in Sebastian Legette, almost a million dollar salary. And this team is spending to win now. So I'm assuming that they're going to go out and try to win every single game. And that includes Cavalli. And I think Bruce will will have this the mentality of the team in the right spot, especially coming out of that single game elimination against New York City. Uh, looking to turn this team around. I think that they could actually make some waves in this tournament. And it's going to be a lot of fun either way. Um, I'll look past Cavalli. Uh, I have no problem Oof. doing that. I'll say things that might get me in trouble here. Um, so there's very little known about this team so far, but... I do know that I think they have one player that is uh, on the Haitian national team. I think it's Dutherson Clairvaux. Uh, he has four national team caps. Um, doesn't seem to be very much involved with the squad. Um, and there are some other teams that are from Haitian teams. But, you know, Haiti, they do have some quality players. But also, and I don't mean to be disparaging, but they have some USL level players on the Haitian national team. So um, the fact that there's only one player that has been elevated to the national team kind of tells me that this is not a massively talented wa- uh, roster of, you know, star players. I, I, I'm not expecting the quality to kind of be there. Um, and I think the Rev, Revs should really be able to dispatch them. Um, not their strongest lineup. Uh, I, I do think that maybe the first round, um, it, it, it is interesting because they do have their season opener right after that second leg. So it's going to be interesting to see how they manage minutes. Um, I would probably lean towards playing some top-level players early, try to build up a lead so that second leg isn't going to be, you know, as needed. Maybe you can kind of play some backup players, kind of rest heel, maybe rest bow, uh, maybe rest Legette, uh for that Portland game, uh, and then use them only if you really need to type of situation. Uh, but really, I, I don't see a reason why they can't build up a solid lead, lead in round one, leg one. Uh, and then kind of be able to, I'll say coast, but really I think they should be able to win regardless of who they, they roster in their lineup. So, um, And I think not- Cavalli hasn't played a competitive match since about May of 2021. So That's what Sean said. He, he's, he was looking for information. It looks like they don't have much of a schedule. So it's interesting. That you wonder where their fitness is going to be. Um, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, how this team matches up, but really I, I am not expecting anything more than a USL league one to USL championship side, which, you know, in a, in a knockout scenario, the revs have lost to USL championship sides in the U S open cup before. So I, I don't want to dismiss them completely. Uh, but if they are taking it seriously, I think if they, they put out their first team lineup, this should, they should roll over them very, very easily. Um, and, and yeah, I, I do not see a scenario in which they get knocked out in the first round. Um, but the question comes, how much, how seriously does Bruce want to take this? Uh, you know, I think that is kind of my more pressing concern that Bruce sees MLS as the major focus and he's really just rolling out revs two players. Then it's a little bit more competitive. That, that's a little bit more concerning to me. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do think this is going to be like a, I, I think the question here is kind of a good way to put it. Will this be like the U S open cup where you use a B squad until it's, it's close? Uh, I think that once you do advance, as I say, they should advance to the next round, but if they run into Pumas in the quarterfinals, that's going to be a much tougher task. And, you know, I, I could see a scenario um, in which maybe they put up as strong a fight because Bruce wants to focus on MLS. You know, even Saprisa too, they're, they're a quality side. But my, my whole hope for, for Champions League is that New York City make the final and the Revolution make the final and then the Revs can get some redemption uh, and, and actually beat New York City Football Club. In penalty kicks? I don't care, just beat them. But I'll take that too. Uh, you know, that's a sweet poetry right there. Paulo asks us, what are the expectations for the revolution in Champions League and what is a success? Uh, Tanner, I'll, I'll go to you first. What's your expectations and what is a successful Champions League campaign for the Revs? My expectations for them to get out of the round of 16. And then if they're in the quarterfinals and they face Pumas, I think it's even Supreme. I think it's it, anything can happen at that point. So my expectations for them to at least get out of that first round and make it competitive in that quarterfinal. Um, Beyond that, I don't really think you should have any more expectation for this team. It's just so 
early, right, to know how they're going to play and especially to play uh, sort of must-win games right out of the gate. Um, it's a tall order for them to do, especially in, like basically preseason. Chris, anything to add? Chris? I was on mute, so I apologize. I'm uh, keeping it in. I'm keeping it in so everyone knows you screwed up. That's fine. It's the first time I've screwed up all, all you know, this 2022 uh, season. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's not even 2022 yet, so that's a pretty early time to screw up. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, no, I, I think Tanner covered it pretty well. Uh, you expect the Revs to make the quarterfinals. Uh, and to beat Cavalli, uh, I think if they go out in the quarterfinals against Pumas, against Saprissa, you're like, you know what? That was fun. Uh, it was enjoyable, enjoyable football. We got to see, you know, a Mexican team or a, a, was I forget where Saprissa is from. Um, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. You get to see a, a Costa Rica team come to Gillette Stadium. It's going to be a great atmosphere, a lot of fun. Uh, you're going to get to see the Revs go travel, uh, you know, south of the United States to multiple times, whether it's Haiti or wherever else. And then of course, for verse Puma Pumas or Saprissa, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's basically what I'm trying to say. If they could get past the quarterfinals, massive success. As soon as you get to the semis, it's a, it's a success. How far can they take it at that point? And, and that's where you're going to be bringing out the, the heavy guns. I would think, uh, again, I'm not Bruce arena. Um, but if I will say, if they end up losing somehow to Cavalli, that's just going to be the biggest disappointment, and I'm going to throw my computer out the window. I, I don't think we have to worry about that too much. Again, I hope it, not. Cursed revs will be all over me if if this uh, if if things go poorly, but I'm not sweating it. Uh, I, I'm expecting uh, some. Not to say that, that it's going to be a complete walk in the park, but uh, I would imagine the revs are going to advance. First leg is February 15th. Second leg is February 22nd. I believe. That Portland game is February 26th, so uh, there is a bit of a quick turnaround on that second leg, but um, the Revs at least get to be at home before they travel out west to start their season against Portland. Uh, let's get to some listener questions real quick. David Sibillian asks us, the club needs a Tejan-type speedy winger, right? How will having two attacking midfielders work? Chris, you kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, about where do we see Legette playing? Uh, is he more of a central midfielder? Is he going to be playing that central attacking midfielder? Um, does this change Heel's role? Is he more of a McNamara replacement? Um, do you think that they still need to go out and get a Buchanan type of winger on this offseason priority list? Or do you think that maybe this is a signal that uh, Bruce Arena is really uh, – shifting over to the diamond for good you know it it, it kind of goes both ways in my head right now so i know i don't think you need to go get another tejan player or, or type player because going into last season i was also saying how does tejan buchanan fit onto this field and i think we saw it a lot throughout the season uh through the 2021 season of tejan kind of being forced onto the pitch in different in different positions where Maybe it kind of created an awkward formation or something that the team itself didn't necessarily play cohesively to. And I think if you bring in another player exactly like Tejan that plays that same exact style, you're going to kind of take away from some of the strengths of other players on the pitch, you know, where Gustavo Bo or Adam Buxa and how they're going to play off each other up top, uh, where Carly's heel is going to necessarily position himself. Although, of course, Buchanan's out in the wing, so you, that keeps that that kept heel central which i liked uh sebastian legette if he's gonna be playing central with carlos heel i i don't know what that's gonna look like i, I need to to see a lot more of what other signings are going to be coming up uh i would think there's something else uh you think the outside players right were either tejan buchanan or possibly teal bunbury would get those and of course both those players are no longer with the revolution Emma Boateng doesn't seem to have enough trust from Bruce Arena, even though I think that he has enough skill and capability to be, to be a starter uh, in some capacity. I don't think that's going to be happening. So maybe the Revs are still looking for someone to, to fill that spot. Maybe they're looking to move Dewan Jones to play higher up the pitch and get Mafla in there. I'd, I'd get some value out of that salary. I don't know what they're doing. There's a, there's a lot of question marks and really, it's just all speculation right now. We just need, need some time to tell. Tanner, uh, do you think the Revs still have a winger on their offseason need list? 
You know, I think you hit the nail on the head there in terms of Buchanan playing out of position. I think they really tried to put him in all these different spots just to get him on the field because he is such a talented player and he can take over a game at any moment. But I don't necessarily think he fit well with the rest of the attacking players. And I think the move for Legette signals that the Revolution are changing their approach in terms of their formation. And I think that is really a holistic change to their offense. Um, so I don't think they're necessarily looking for a Buchanan-type player. Um, that being said, they still have one international slot open, and they also have four senior roster spots open. So this team isn't done making moves and additions, and they likely will bring in an additional player, but I'm looking for them to bring in a potential striker. Um, because I think if you look at that depth, you have Adam Buxa, and then behind him it's Kizza and Renix, and I think you really need something with more, um, someone with a little bit more experience up there. We got Josie Altador. We can get the whole band together. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably available. Is, is he yeah. out of contract with Toronto, or are they just trying to move on from him? He was released. He was released? Yeah. Hey, I mean, I, I, can they afford not to sign him? That's the real question. <laughs> this kind of fits in uh, with the Josie talk. Carl Sutherland, former Revolution recap guest. He's here on every episode in spirit. He asks us, how many current Revs players will make the United States men's national team squad for the World Cup? Five? Uh, I think that five might be an exaggeration, but Bruce is trying to get the band back together. So uh, Matt Turner, I'm going to vote Matt Turner. Sebastian Legette might make the team. Henry Kessler, I would say, is an outside shot. So I'm going to say 2.5 right now, 2 to 3. You guys have any other predictions for potential United States men's national team players? Uh, Dewan Jones deserves a shot, but uh, with all the the skilled – you know, outside backs that the U.S. have in their pool, I don't think Dewan Jones has a shot at, at actually getting into the into the roster at all to really uh, show his worth, uh, which I think is uh, a shame. But I, I don't think I think you, you got it. Two and a half, I think, is, is probably the number. James Downing asks us, what are your thoughts on the League's Cup for next season? I got to say, this is the first time I've ever thought about League's Cup in my life because the Revolution have never been in it before. Apparently, they're in it next season. Uh, Tanner, do you have any thoughts on the League's Cup for next season? I don't, if I'm being honest. I know MLS shuffled, reshuffled uh, League's Cup for going forward um, to make it bigger, but other than that, I don't know much, too much about League's Cup, to be honest. It's going to expand in 2023, I think, which would make yes. it a little more interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't care. Chris, do you care about League's Cup? Not today, no. <laughs> ask, us when, ask us when it's coming up. I think in 2023, it's going to be really exciting, though. I, re- I really do think, like, Major League Soccer really is using this as a um, Liga Max like expansion type thing. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting. I do think it is a cool concept, but what it worries me is this becomes almost like Champions League light, where we already have the Champions League, and it's just basically B team after B team run out there, and this is just a way for MLS to really improve their reserve players and academy players. It's really going to just be glorified exhibitions. Um, and maybe 2023, when every team is involved, maybe it's going to be a little bit more exciting. Uh, but from what I understand about the certainly the first iteration of League's Cup, which was I feel like it, it was played like a month after it was announced. I think like Peter Ramis, like basically said, like it was more of a pain in the ass than anything else. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I couldn't care about League's Cup, unfortunately, unless we win, in which case it's the most important competition on the schedule. <laughs> Andrew Yee asks us, am I the only one thinking one goal wins were fine? Thought it meant that they could grind out results in the playoffs. And I got to say, I thought that too. And here we are. Uh, Chris, uh, looking back, uh, what are your thoughts on that one goal win narrative? Yeah, it's, uh, it is in hindsight, pretty, pretty shocking to think that we weren't more concerned with it. I, I think I expressed some concern over the year. The fact that the refs weren't able to win more than by more than one goal most of the time. Uh, I think there was only two or three games where they where they actually pulled that off. Uh, I wasn't overly concerned about it. My my mo or whatever what what I what I was using to rationalize that was just saying that this is just how the revolution are. This is how they play. They grind you down and they beat you by one goal and they take it to the death. And that's just the way that this team plays. Uh, maybe that's not the way the team should be playing. Maybe that you know. LAFC team that had the that had the record that would uh, the points record I should say from 2018 18 uh, that team would just destroy opponents and I believe they also set the goals scored um, record as well in that season 
and it was not a competition necessarily with their op- opposition. And may- maybe something like that would be uh, better for the Revs to look forward to uh, in 2022. Yeah, uh, the one goal differential really should have been uh, a much bigger uh, red flag. Yeah, I think if you look at the team, um, it, it's it's really incredible that they set an MLS points record based on how many wins they had to grind out. The games were so close, and they, yeah, they had to grind them out. And in the playoffs, that's every game, right? It is going to be a grind, and you'd expect that they would have that experience. But ultimately, when you're grinding out one-goal wins, at the end of the day, it's such a close game that it can go either way. And you saw that in that playoff game. It came down to penalties. And when you get the penalties, it really is a coin flip on who's going to win. So I think it's impressive that they won all those one-goal games. But in the playoffs, it really is a coin flip in those close uh, games, unfortunately. And, you know, they ended up losing. And again, LAFC didn't win in 2019 either. So when ML, uh, LAFC was actually 2019, they had the previous points record. They blew the doors off everybody, but they didn't win MLS Cup. So. I think I think the issue is in in the one goal wins are fine for the most part if you're very strong defensively. If your kind of strategy is almost, I'll say, like a Nashville type of team where you know your strong suit is not offense, but every game you're solid defensively and you're not making mistakes, it's one thing. But the Revs weren't that type of team. The Revs were the type of team that, you know, wanted to score three goals a game um, and at times were suspect in the back. Uh, and, you know, it's it, it certainly came out in, in, to play at the uh, New York City FC game where they conceded very early in that game. Um, and then they were fine for the next 100 minutes or so. But, um, you know, I, I think the Revs really, uh, it's not really the one goal wins thing. It's really more the lack of shutouts with the best goalkeeper in MLS that I think in hindsight was the major red flag. Um, because I, I and, and we kind of harped on this all season long, which is that I think the Revs needed one more improvement along that back line. Henry Kessler, John Bell, um, Andrew Farrell certainly are good players. Um, but, I, you know, are any of them great players? Are any of them spectacular players? Um, none of them are really dominating defensive presences. Maybe Kessler. Um, but Kessler was benched a little bit for the first half of the season. So, um, yeah, I, I think in hindsight, really the clean sheet, the lack of clean sheets that the Revolution um, had all season long, uh, I, I think that was is in hindsight was more concerning than the one goal wins for me. Uh, but yeah, the, the people that made the one goal win narrative certainly are a little more justified uh, in hindsight. So David B asks us, is there any information on when we could see Tejan get on the field for Brug? which I don't think we have that information. I looked before this podcast. I searched around. We did not find anything. I do know he is taking a bit of an extended break uh, at, at the time being. I know he's been given some time off uh, during the, you know, uh, between the MLS season uh, and reporting over in Belgium. Uh, but I'm not sure if they have to wait for the next transfer window to open. I don't know if the loan ran through a certain period of time or if he's technically a Brugge player currently. Uh, but either way, um, it's... It, I, I do not know. Uh, some quick notes to wrap up here. The Revs opened the MLS season, or sorry, the MLS Cup odds opened uh, last week, and the Revs open at 7-1 to one odds. That's according to Bet Online and BetMGM. I believe that's third best. They are behind Seattle and LAFC. Please hold your laughter. I don't know why LAFC is up there either. Uh, the 2022 schedule is out, so please make your plans for road trips now. Omicron be damned. Kessler and Turner got a cap last night for the United States men's national team. Another clean sheet for Matt Turner. I believe he set a United States men's national team record for clean sheets in a calendar year with nine, I believe. Uh, and also, I don't think we mentioned this on a previous podcast, uh, but Carlos Hill won MVP, rightfully so. Uh, that's something we probably should have talked about. Uh, but I think we all believe he deserved it, and uh, he absolutely crushed it in the voting, and there were a lot of tears coming out of Nashville. So uh, better luck next time. Uh, that wraps us up here. Tanner, anything you want to add? Uh, any final thoughts here before we depart this evening? No, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, couple weeks for the revolution with, uh, I think they're going to make some additional moves this week and then obviously going into training camp with the CCL and then the, the January World Cup qualifying window and all that stuff going on. So it really isn't much of an offseason this year. So. No, it is not. We are back in the podcasting game two weeks uh, into the offseason uh, we are, which I'm sure our listeners are extremely happy about. Uh, Tanner, where can we find you on social media? You can find me at Tanner Rebello on Twitter, and then on Facebook, you can find us at Trifecta Sports. 
I was just going to say, make sure you follow Trifecta Sports on Twitter as well. Um, one of the very few outlets that covers the Bryant University men's basketball team, which very important. They're having a terrible season, but you should still follow them. Uh, Chris, <laughs> any final thoughts here before you depart? No, look, I'm just, I'm in peak off-season form already, so I'm just glad that I made it through this one. Uh, apologies for listening to me rant for uh, however long I did here, but uh, looking forward to to some more developments and uh, having some more substantial uh, revs news to talk about. I mean, Legit's pretty substantial, but you know, I want I want to see I want to see the team come together. I want to see some formations. I want the preseason to get underway. Uh, I'm looking I'm looking forward to that, and uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Chris, where can people find you on social media? Uh, find me over on Twitter at Chris Lucas or uh, follow me uh, at Revs. Revo- what, what, what's my thing name? I told you I'm in peak off season form. Just follow follow my personal at Chris Lucas. Find me over there. I'll talk soccer. I'll talk personal stuff. I'll talk whatever. Uh, yeah. And you can follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap. You can also follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Please also check out our sponsor, Galasso Kits, and use our promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. And make sure you're following them on Twitter and on Instagram. They have new inventory updates every single week, so you'll be the first to know when there's an item that you want. Uh, And also, I don't think I mentioned this, by the way, every order in the month of December gets a free mystery gift. So make sure you get in those orders at Galasso Kits before the end of this month. Uh, This might be our last episode, so this is going to be my last reminder. Make sure you get your orders in this month. Free mystery gift. Uh, And also make sure you are subscribed on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And please rate and review us five stars if you have not already. It helps people looking for Revolution content find it. So please, if you have not already, please give us a rating, uh, preferably a good one. We will be back whenever more Revolution stuff happens. Hopefully that is sooner and not later. As Tanner said, around this time last year, there was a slew of signings. So hopefully we have one more episode before the Super Draft. Until then, thank you everyone for listening and go Revs. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.